Recruitment Journeys is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. No matter what your recruitment journey is, whether it's contract, temp, exec search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner to help accelerate growth, speak to Vincere. Visit vincere.io forward slash mint for an exclusive offer for all subscribers of this podcast. Welcome to series two of Recruitment Journeys. This is the podcast series where we speak to selected identities of the Australian recruitment industry about their chosen career paths and their own recruitment journeys in the hope to inform, inspire and motivate others in the recruitment industry. My name is Pete Watson from Mint R2R and we've been placing recruiters into the UK, the US and Australia since 2004. So if you're a recruiter and you're thinking about your next career chapter or your future recruitment journey, and you just want to hear how others did it before you, then please sit back and enjoy Recruitment Journeys. Rod Hoare is a bit of a household name in the Australian recruitment industry and has been advising recruitment businesses both buyers and sellers, on all things M&A related for well over two decades. In this podcast interview, Rod calls on all of his industry experience to give us his views and his insights on the impact of COVID-19 on the Australian recruitment industry, as well as sharing some survival tips for new players and startups in the market. Hope you enjoy this episode titled The Recruitment Industry M&A Expert. Rod Hall from HHMC. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, and a pleasure to be here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much for being uh, involved in Recruitment Journeys, the podcast series. It's uh, it's our second series. Uh, we're, we're kind of well into the second series, and. Um, it's obviously a very interesting and topical time and the conversations have naturally started to gravitate towards this global pandemic that we find ourselves in, Rod. And very keen to get your views on how this, excuse my French, this shitstorm is affecting our wonderful industry. So thank you for being involved. No, it's a pleasure. Um, I've been listening to your podcast, so I'm really pleased to be on here. Thank you. Thank you. So look, we, um, before we get into it, Rod, I've already, uh, before we went live, given the, 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 the listeners and the viewers a little bit of an introduction into who Rod Hoare is, um, but in your own humble words, would you mind uh, letting us know who you are, Rod? Ah, okay. Well, I founded uh, HHMC in uh, 1999, which um, doesn't seem 21 years ago, uh, but here we are and um, spend my time within the recruitment industry. I live in Perth and uh, still have full of, in, full of energy and uh, enthusiasm when I get up in the morning. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you're, you're, you're a household name in the recruitment industry. Um, I, 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 knew, I knew all about you years before I, I ever had the, the privilege to chat with you. So you're, you're, you're a well-known man. You're an expert in our space. And, uh, and I think this, uh, this conversation is going to be invaluable. Uh, and we're going to we're going to focus on a on a couple of different areas, um, you know, particularly what's 
happens as a result of COVID, you know, the spin-off, you know, the, the, the potential growth, you know, the, the startups and the new businesses that, that, are, that are spinning out of COVID. Um, before we get into that, Rod, would you mind explaining what HHMC, your business, actually does? Yeah, so we're best known and, and we spend most of our time involved in merger and acquisition transactions. So we work with sellers to help them uh, divest their business, but we also work with buyers who are looking to expand their business through acquisition. And we're fortunate enough that um, a lot of our activity has some international flavor to it. So about 50% of our activity has some international relationship to it. So while we're deeply embedded across Australia and New Zealand, we also um, work strongly internationally and have a really good uh, connection base around. Um, and I'm particularly excited about uh, what Brexit is going to bring Australia, the Australian recruitment industry. So the, so the UK-Australia um, connection, I think, is really strong and, and looking forward to that growing over the next couple of years. Yeah, I read an, I read an article, um, and I'm sure, I'm sure you're more across this than, than I, uh, which said that because uh, Brexit is, has essentially evaporated a lot of kind of trans-euro working business relationships that they, they need to find um, some allies and, and Australia is the, is the obvious one, um, yeah. which means it will make it, you know, nothing's been set in stone yet, but it'll make it easier for, for UK recruiters to work in Australia and, uh, and vice versa. Yeah, the free, the free trade agreement, the formal free trade agreement between the UK and Australia is now uh, an official thing and is being uh, negotiated and they hope to finalise that as soon as possible. So yeah. I think that'll have great benefit for, for the recruitment industry. Oh, that's exciting. That's good news. So we're off to a good start, Rob. We're already, we we go. already, we're away. We're already spitting out the good news. <laughs> um, so mate, just to, in case anybody hasn't heard uh, of recruitment journeys, I'll very quickly explain what the podcast is all about. Uh, recruitment journeys, as it says on the tin, it's, it's about talking to chosen identities in our wonderful industry and, uh, and listening to their story uh, in the hope that it might educate, inform, inspire, motivate people listening. Um, you're a little bit different, Rod, because you're not a recruiter per se. Um, but like I said, like I said earlier, you're very well known in our industry. Would you mind telling uh, the listeners and the viewers how you found yourself? Uh, 21 years ago to actually be working in and focusing on the recruitment industry. Yeah, look, I was working in the IT industry and my last uh, real job, as my wife describes it, was working for a US company um, in, in, as an IT services uh, person. I was based in Sydney at that point and um, decided that wasn't what I wanted to continue to do. So formed HHMC and our goal was to do merger and acquisition activity in the IT services space. And I think I hadn't realized how many people I knew in the recruitment industry. 1999 was a very, very buoyant time. This was the sort of the height of the dot-com and Y2K. So there was a lot of activity in play. Um, and, and almost immediately recruiters started tapping on the door and saying, can you help us? Cause there's nobody helping us in the recruitment industry uh, from a merger and acquisition perspective. And so it wasn't the business plan, but that's what we started doing. And after about five years, we dropped everything else that we'd actually planned to do and focused purely on the recruitment industry. And that's what we do today. Were you, were you guys, were HHMC uh, literally the first M&A specialist operating in the recruitment field in Australia? I think so. I don't think any, I, th I think it was um, a little bit accidental if anybody did anything in recruitment up until that point. And, yeah. um, and we decided that we, we'd really focus on it and build our brand in that, in that market. 
Yeah, okay, okay. All right, so look, you, you just said that 1999 was a good time. It was a buoyant market, plenty of M&A activity. Um, but I think the same can also be said, uh, if you agree. Um, Pre-COVID, you know, the last, the last two, three, four years have been really buoyant and, uh, and active times for the, for the, in the M&A space, mm -hmm. the recruitment industry. Um, how would you describe the last few years, Rod, from well, an M&A perspective? Yeah, from an M&A perspective, it was, it was obviously buoyant. And that, that continued on from sort of 2013, 2014. There was just this almost increase in enthusiasm for, for growth by acquisition. And so that's great for us. Um, however, it's fair to say that over the last year or two of that, um, so, you know, 2017, 18, maybe, um, it got a little bit out of hand in that everybody thought they were worth more than they were worth. Um, people were maybe not um, doing things because of really strong business plans, but doing things because they thought they could make money out of it. Um, and so things start to go a little bit off balance at that point. Um, but, but certainly, you know, that the last decade has been great for a merger and acquisition active perspective, you know, because there's been a lot of activity, um, you know, in that period, we've had the Japanese arrive, we've had a lot of interest in, from North America, we've had a lot of interest from different parts of Asia or emerging interest from Asia. And of course, the UK connection is always strong in Australia. So it, it's been a great decade if you put it all together. It's been okay. We've had a good run. We yeah. We've had a good run. Um, and it's interesting because um, during this good run, I've, I've heard multiple business owners, uh, and I, I don't know whether you've actually said it yourself, I'll, I'll find out in a second, but I've heard multiple <laughs> business owners, the people that you wouldn't expect to say it, say things like, you know, we need a recession. We need, we need the bubble to burst. We need a downturn. <clears throat> Me being the, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a, well, I'm not an economic, economical guy I, I just think well that's that's the worst thing you could possibly say that's, that's, that's the last thing we need why why do we why would people say in that world why do people say that suggested that good things have a downturn or, or the bubble to burst yeah it, it, it is an interesting one and i probably have said it in the past but probably not in public um that, <laughs> because you know with the obvious connotations of it you're trying to wish bad on people and you're not mm. you're not doing that um but things do get out of kilter and um you know, you could take all sorts of examples of how the pendulum swings too far in one direction and it takes a, takes a change to sort of bring it back and reset everything so that you can actually go again. Um, you know, and, and you could be really cynical about that, but you could look at things like, um, I don't know, outsourcing versus insourcing. So, you know, at some point, outsourcing will be the trend and then people will decide that's not a good thing and they'll start to insource business and, and build their business back up, the capability back up within their organisation. And so, so lots and lots of things become um, sort of the pendulum swings one way and another. And Australia has been very, very lucky. I mean, we've basically had 30 years of continuous growth in the country. Um, the last that the the gfc was not a sharp and uh, it was not a long and prolonged um downturn like it was in other countries it was very short you know one or two quarters and everybody was back in business and so lessons were not necessarily learned during that period so from a recruitment industry point of view we've had 20 years pretty well of continuous growth even though there's been some ups and downs in that period um and so lots of things get out of out of sync um people's don't change the model because they're making money 
Um, staff costs get a little too high. Maybe leadership gets a little lazy. Maybe the overheads get a bit bloated. Maybe the balance sheet doesn't uh, get looked after as much as it should in terms of debt and savings and, and investment uh, capability. So all of those things um, eventually need a waking up moment. And uh, we're certainly having one at the moment. You, are. you don't wish it on anybody, but but you know, but but eventually you've got to reset and um, and um, get a little bit more disciplined. And um, uh, everything goes in cycles, and and we're in the middle of one of those down cycles at the moment. Yeah. They say be careful what you wish for, right? Um, yeah. Yep. So we we you know we so we we got that reset. We got that that bubble bursting. Probably not in the way you know anybody would want. You know, but it, 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 it's one thing to have. A global recession but obviously there's the the, the, the huge costs to, to the human race as well which which none of us wanted uh, uh, but, but but every recession um you can sit at the in the middle of it and say well nobody saw that coming and that's true you know nobody could see uh, banks collapsing nobody can see you know um uh, y2k you know um fall off in in 2001 uh, and so on and so on and so on and sometimes it's localized and related to a country but in in this instance it's a global activity and that's pretty unusual i think the only person who saw this coming was Bill Gates, wasn't he? About five years ago, he uh, he prophesized this genius that he is. Um, okay, so then, so so it's happened. It's 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 hit us uh, like a speeding bullet, and and we're in it. Um, so I suppose I'm keen to to find out your thoughts on the the impact on the industry and the uh, I suppose the impact on the value to to businesses. I've I've got a friend. Um, Good friend, old friend, who's, who's run a very successful business in, in London uh, for eight or nine years, and you know, started it from his literally from his kitchen table with with his first employee, and uh, and has built it to an absolute beast of a business, phenomenally successful um, across the UK and the, and the states. And he, he was taking his business to market this year. This year he was going to he was going to sell it, and um, you know he's very pragmatic and philosophical about everything he said but he said look this is just it's just a major inconvenience you know we're all still healthy um we've all got jobs to a degree he said but it just slightly just delays everything you know we all wanted to to sell up and enjoy our money and go and sit on the beach next year but we're probably going to be doing that in three or four years time and yeah. um and, you know, and we will bounce back but there is damage to his business there is damage to the value of Pretty much every recruitment business, not every recruitment business, but 90% of recruitment businesses across Australia. What do you think is the main uh, issue and, and, and damage incurred to, to the recruitment businesses in Australia today? Well, that, that's, that's a multifaceted one. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what valuations are at the moment. And um, so, so sort of going back and being really boring for a moment, but valuations are made up of, um, first of all, having um, a, some sort of a multiple of profit that you agree to, um, yeah. which implies, of course, that you um, can talk about your profit um, because multiple hasn't necessarily changed, but profit has, you know, people are earning less, uh, delivering less profit today than they were. Um, then, the, then there is the structure of a transaction and, and where the risk sits in the transaction. And that's a negotiated outcome between the buyer and the seller. Um, and at the moment, uh, and I'll come back and explain that, but at the moment, the risk all sits with the seller, not with the buyer. 
and and then there's also there's the balance sheet items there's the working capital that is that is in the business and what happens to that and how that is handled in the transaction and so we're a little bit controversial by saying that we don't think multiples change over time so so what a multiple was 10 years ago is probably what a multiple is today in round terms um, what does go up and down is profit so over the last 10 years people have grown their profit and they say my business is worth more than it was before well it's actually worth the same it's just your profits a bit bigger um, and and then the structure of the deal is the one that people don't stop and think about and and today people will be um, if, if you're trying to sell your business today you you are you have difficulty with your um, past results and you can't forecast your future results so therefore if you're going to sell your business nobody's going to pay a lot of money up front for that they're actually going to give you some sort of a future earnings component so in other words the risk sits with the seller so in in good times there's some balance of that and it probably sits a bit more towards benefiting the seller but at the moment it genuinely benefits the buyer so deals can be done, transactions can be done, they can be done at the multiples approximately that they were they would have been done a year ago, but the risk sits with the seller. And and um, you know the, the challenge is is nobody can forecast right at this moment what's going to come out of this. So nobody can sit there and say, this is what my, my revenue and profit is going to be for the next three months or the next six months. And we're a little way away from being able to be able to have that confidence to do that. And are deals still being done, Rod? Are, are, are recruitment businesses still being bought and sold? Um, yeah, I mean, just speaking from HHMC's experience over the last few months, I mean, you can probably imagine that a lot of our transactions, a lot of our projects that we had underway stopped, um, but not all of them stopped. And we've won new work since this started. And there are lots and lots of reasons why a company might need to do something at the moment. And so we're actually, um, I won't say we're flat out because there's so many external things going on in the marketplace at the moment, but we've got projects on and we're working towards projects and we're, um, you know, uh, occasionally even earning a little bit of revenue, which is nice. Mm. Okay. So, right, so, so it's, it's, it's so, so like the recruitment industry is not dead. I mean, there's activity happening. The, the M and A market is not dead, but it's certainly reduced from what it was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let, 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 let's put ourselves in the, in the shoes of a, of a business that's been, going gambusters for the last six, seven, eight years, and then they, they were gearing up for, for sale. And then this has happened. What, what measures should they be putting in place during COVID to, you know, to, to control damage, to, you know, to, to stem the flow of blood and... Yeah, that's, 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 really, that, that's, a, that's a really, really interesting question because, um, um, you know, we're not out of this yet. I mean, we've got a long way to go to get back to where people are confident about their future earnings. And um, and because there's time involved, that means you've got to be a little bit risk averse in terms of making sure that you actually get to the point where the, where the market comes through this. So, so one of my concerns is that people haven't cut enough. They've actually just been delaying decisions. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when, when, the, when the panic first happened, um, quite rightly, people made quite big decisions and they should have made quite big decisions. They should have pulled their business down to try and match what their um, expenditure was and what their revenue was so that they could survive the period. And that may have meant they let some people go. They um, probably applied for JobKeeper. They um, probably um, put people on reduced hours and so on. 
but in some of those things is actually just delaying decisions that they're going to have to make in the near future. So people are already starting to talk about, and I'm really pleased they're starting to talk about the end of JobKeeper. How are you going to survive the end of JobKeeper? Because if you've kept everybody on, but on reduced hours, and they're being paid through JobKeeper, what are you going to do when JobKeeper goes away? So that's a big decision. But that's immediately followed by our summer holidays, so our dip and our move into the Christmas period. And then you've got BAS to pay in February. And so, so you know, so if you think out over the next three quarters, there's actually a lot of points that you've got to get through. So if you can't sit there today and say, um, worst case scenario, I can survive until March, then you've got more decisions to make. So, so my concern is actually people that haven't made enough decisions and haven't cut deep enough and haven't done the hard analysis, the brutal analysis required to get through to March, because that's when they can probably start to make a go forward position. Um, now that, that sounds really harsh. Um, there are others who may have cut too far and too harshly. Um, and that's probably to do with leadership. And that's probably to do with the, the ability to go through this and the resilience and the plan and the capability of the leadership team or the owners of the business. And so they've just shrunk back into a very, very small basis. And maybe that's the right thing to do if they don't trust their own ability to actually fight their way through this. So, you know, it's a very personal thing. It's the leadership team, the owners need to take this from their own circumstances. And, and there's a lot of things that we don't see from the outside. So you might have a business owned by three people and there's a great divergence of opinion about how, what the plan is and how they're gonna go forward. We don't see that in the marketplace unless you're actually talking to that company. Or there may be some issues on the balance sheet. There might be some loans that all of a sudden can't be funded or other activity on the balance sheet that's having an, you know, a, a non-business related impact on how they're going about things during this period. So all of the circumstances will come out and, you know, companies will have to make their own individual decisions and, and do them soon. You know, don't, don't wait three months, but get in there and do that analysis and make decisions. It has been, it has been so fascinating um, observing how businesses have, have, have all dealt with this in a, in a different variety of ways. Um, and, and who knows, who knows who's right and who's wrong. We just, we just don't know. Um, no. But, you know, and, we'll... and, and you and I have the opportunity to talk to a lot of business owners and, you know, and so we, we're privy to a lot of information about individual companies, um, but that's not necessarily a trend. I mean, there's everything on the spectrum is available um, as an option for business owners and uh, everybody's sitting in a different spot. Yeah. 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 And, and, and a big, a big story in, in the industry, certainly from a rec to rec perspective is, you know, a lot of people, are kind of voicing their opinions, stroke concerns about how they as employees have, uh, have been uh, handled during COVID and, and how their bosses have, have, have managed COVID in terms of their employment and their, their, their working hours and their salary cuts and, and all this stuff. So, you know, there are, there are some disgruntled recruiters out there um, who are, you know, sitting tight and probably just waiting to, to to, to see out the storm, but uh, you know, I, I think there'll be a, a, an influx of recruiters hitting the market at some point in the not too, not too distant future. Yeah, look, I think um, I, th I think the wind down of JobKeeper will be a um, massive, massive um, impact on the recruitment industry. 
um, I think there'll be a lot of people having to make a lot more decisions um, and you know, who, who knows what that will lead to, but it's going to be complex. And, and look, there's a lot of business owners who have not had to deal with anything adverse in their business in, the, in their life. Um, and so from a, you know, from a legal point of view, whether it's in the way they're handling their employees or the way they're dealing with the tax office or the whatever it may be, I'm sure there's all sorts of rules being, being broken. And a lot of that's going to have to be fixed up as we go forward, but it leaves, it leaves a bad trail. And as you say, some staff have been treated poorly, which is um, disappointing. Yeah. Which leads us nice, nicely onto uh, kind of our next point, because there are some recruiters um, who've already broken away. Um, they've already said, actually, no, I don't like the way um, my boss has handled this situation, so I'm breaking away. Uh, or there's some people who've, some recruiters who've found themselves on the market, uh, voluntarily or involuntarily. Um, and what we've seen, uh, which is probably the last thing you'd expect to see, is a whole load of little new mini recruitment businesses popping up. Um, yep. And kudos to those people, you know, to, to, to start a recruitment business in the middle of, you know, what is the worst downturn we've ever seen since the Great Depression, apparently. Um, yeah, kudos to them. But they're, they're mm. out there having a crack. Um, what would be your advice to those people? those people who've, who've taken that leap of faith to, to launch a recruitment business during COVID? What would be your, well, top, your top tips? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, the, the, the 30,000 foot positive thing is that a lot of great recruitment companies are forged during downturns. And even if they were an average little recruitment company and had and entered this period and had a lot of tough times, a lot of existing recruitment companies will come out of this very strong, but a lot of good recruitment companies are forged during downturns because they, um, you know, they're having to put a lot of values in place as an organization as they start up and they remember those values going forward and, and they are good for them. Um, there is also a joke, of course, to say that nobody goes on gardening leave anymore. They become a recruitment consultant, so or you know, start a recruitment business. So, you know, there's a there's a lot of people who do start recruitment businesses that maybe are not in it for the long term, and maybe they'll go and do something else in three years' time or two years' time. So, um, it's a, it's a temporary home for some people. Um, but but one of, one of the bits of advice we give to people who are starting up a recruitment business is that they they will never be tested as much as they're about to be and they don't know everything going into this because if they knew everything they'd never start it but they they don't know everything that they need to do in the future and so therefore, therefore they've got to have really good foundations in place and and there's two, two components to that I mean one is you know what is the purpose of, of starting the business I mean you've got to have a vision or a goal or a, a you know a, a purpose of why you're trying to do this because if you don't have some sort of driving force or some you know not in your stomach that you're trying to you know that, that's giving you that attention and, and drive um, then you probably won't succeed so those who just say oh I can um, I can take home more of my earnings that's probably not enough purpose you know that you've got to have some other reason in there that's driving you to do this activity and in doing that you've probably got to spend more time analyzing your yourself and understand what it is that drives you and what your strengths are and what you're not that good at and where you're going to get assistance. So you've got to work on the things that you're good at and you've got to find a way of getting the other stuff done because the other stuff always needs to be done. Um, 
And you would hope that anybody who's starting a recruitment business is actually quite good at winning their own work because um, in the first period of time, um, there is nobody else to do it but you and you're going to be tested in that area. There's an old rule of thumb that the first 20 million of sales needs to come from the founder. So if you're not up for that, maybe you should go and find something else or find some partners who you're going to work with. Um, um, and so, so that sort of purpose for the business and, and knowing yourself and knowing what you're capable of and knowing what your weaknesses are, um, that can't be overstated enough. Th those are just critical to getting on with it because um, especially in the early years, a business is all about the founders. It's, the, it's very personal. Okay. It's where I disagree with the Godfather movies. It is personal. <laughs> business is personal. <laughs> um, I've, I've actually been approached, um, maybe three, three times in the last month uh, from people saying, I'm thinking about doing this, I'm thinking about taking the plunge. And the, the conversation I have with them is, is, is probably not as, as, as detailed as, as you've outlined, but the, the question I'm always intrigued to ask them is, what do you want to do? Do you want a lifestyle business working on your own? Or do you want to grow a business? Because whichever it is, it's probably a lot harder than you think. Um, People think, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, we're going to be the next Randstad or Hayes, and we'll have ten people working for us by the end of the first year. But you know, they they fail to 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 think about the fact that no good recruiter generally wants to work for a startup or generally wants to work for a one man band. So that's going to be harder than you realise. Have you given that enough thought? Yeah. And a lot of people think you have to be a one man band. You know, uh, everything that I build goes straight to my pocket. I can go to the gym when I want. I can go. For whenever I want, work like balance, go to the beach on a Friday afternoon. Um, and I said to those people, because I've, I've, I've been in those shoes, I am, I, I am a one-man band and I've got 16 years of experience working on my own. Um, there are plenty, I, I actually think the negatives outweigh the positives of working on your own. Um, I'm yeah, saying that because I'm, I'm long in the tooth, but the novelty soon wears off. And you're long in the tooth. It's isolating, you know, it's, yes. it's lonely. Um, nobody, uh, cares whether your business is successful um, other than you. Yeah, there's nobody to share, to share the highs with, there's nobody to share the lows with, there's nobody to bounce off, there's nobody to get advice from. People don't think about that. People just think that, that they're going to be loaded and yeah. cashed up. Uh, yeah. But they don't think about the negatives. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of that is, is that they've never really evaluated their personal self um, and, and what they want out of work and how they like to work and all of those sort of things. And, you know, there's some harsh lessons in there and, and usually it takes a few scars to be able to work all that out. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how all these new startups go. Uh, I, I, yeah. I hope they survive. I hope they thrive. I hope they flourish. And, and I, yeah, who knows? Some of the some of the spin outs of COVID might be the, the next household names in the recruitment industry. I, I, I hope. I yeah, look, look, and, and 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 that is one of the really nice things um, is that I, I get very very excited about what is going to come out of this. You know, so you know, we could go through and talk about a checklist for for startups and everything. Maybe maybe I'll give you some bullet points you could send around to people who want it or something. But yeah. but but um um you know the the, the opportunity for companies to put in the hard work now and get this, get a strategy and, and have a purpose and have a strat, uh, you know, a real goal of what they're trying to achieve and then ride the, the recovery out of this is, is mm. very, very exciting for, for the industry and for a lot of individuals. Yeah. Yeah.
I, I, I keep talking about silver linings of COVID, and, and, and that is one of them. You know, this, this, this new breed of recruitment businesses coming through, and, um, and the new ways that recruitment is going to be done. Everybody's got an opinion on what the recruitment industry is going to look like after COVID, um, and everybody keeps saying it's not going to be the same. How do you think, Rod, the industry will be different when the fog lifts in, as you say, and I will hold you to this, Rod, you've, pro you've, you've, promised, <laughs> you've promised the industry we're going to be okay in March. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold you to that. Um, so in March, how I can't, I can't see any bumps past March. That is what I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> as long as there's no more spikes. Um, yeah, well, how is the industry going to be different when the fog lifts in 2021? Yeah, look, look, look. Part of part of me is is cynical. Okay, so so all of the forecasts from people like staffing industry analysts and that is that that the 2021 numbers will be a significant rise on the 2020 numbers in terms of the overall industry revenue, and um, but it won't return to 2019. So so you know there's no there's no V shape in this. We're in for a you know a a fairly long haul to get back to where we were in 2019. So, um, so it will look great because it's, you know, um, it's an increase on where it was previously, but, but yeah. Um, but, but what do I see changing in the industry? Um, I, I think those organisations that were doing um, lazy recruitment in a very active market have been found out and um, that's not what clients want. And I think people need to listen to clients more. And so therefore the models about um, RPO and statement of work and, um, you know, genuine partnership and, and genuinely adding value with niche talent pools and all of those sorts of things have really been struck home in this period. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that I, I want, I don't want to call it the laziness, but, but the, but the um, easy model of just, the way recruitment has been done over the last 10 years will probably adjust and people know that they need to actually add a lot more value to an organization rather than being the fastest on the phone to say, have you got any job orders? And, um, you know, and so, and so it, that's everything. I mean, that's, that's compliance about putting temps and contractors in. It's, it's, um, you know, value adding when you're putting permanency in. it's about having great, great connections with the talent pool that you're trying to place. It's about really understanding your client's business so that you can add value in those conversations. And I mean, that doesn't sound very revolutionary, does it? But so much of the recruitment industry doesn't do that. And, and so, um, you know, I, I do see that, that those organizations that, that get their business much more organized and concentrate as much on the business as they do on the actual task which is recruitment um, will we'll do better um, you know and so maybe the learning out of this is that models do change and you need to be actually constantly trying to reinvent yourself and not saying well we're making money so we can't touch ourselves yeah. you know um, you know and that's everything from commission structures to my favorite commission structures to to you know the business model of how you're approaching clients to everything else I mean in some ways people were too slow to react um, the use of technology, all of that stuff was very, very slow in the last 10 years. Yeah. And people probably realise they need to push much harder on that and and constantly be reinventing themselves to what the clients want. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's definitely going to make us as an industry leaner, meaner, fitter and faster. And, and I think another thing that I'm seeing uh, is uh, I've been amazed at how many recruiters recruitment businesses 
seemingly are just burying their head in the sand during this this time and just pulling the duvet or the doona, uh, as you call it, over their heads and just just kind of praying and, and waiting for it to pass. And they're not they're not using this opportunity to look in the mirror and have a you know a bloody good thing about how they can improve and how how they can best prepare for the bounce back and, and what they need to tweak. Um, yep. And it, it almost suggests that when the market turns, they'll just come out doing the same old thing. Yep. And and I think they're going to be realise they're a mile or two behind everybody else. Yeah. So, you know, Greg Savage and others have been really, really good at pushing information out there and saying, you know, if you think this is a time to go to the beach and go on holidays and renovate your house, well, you are sadly mistaken. It's, um, it is yeah. not the right time. And, and I think there needs to be equal focus internally. What is your business and how are you doing it? And what can I improve? And what's our model? And have we got our leadership team in place? And how are we going to attract and reward people and motivate people going forward? The other side is, um, um, what can I learn about my clients? What do my clients want? How can I go and talk to them now without, you know, giving forward, you know, not, not asking for jobs or anything, but how can I help my clients today and build relationships and understand more about them? And if you split your time into those two tasks, you will be so significantly better when you come out um, and you'll be ahead of the pack. I mean, I don't know if I've said it already, but the rec- I, I think corporate, knowledge and corporate um, learnings go for about five years and and so you know one thing in 2025 we'll have all forgotten that we're in a pandemic and everybody will be doing the same dumb things they were doing previously okay they'll be overpaying their staff they'll be you know all of those things will be happening and they won't be building robust businesses because they'll have forgotten yeah. so get it in place now because <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, it's, so gotta, it's so true it's so true to go forward yeah yeah well, thank you, Rod. I, I, yeah, I, I hope this has been invaluable. Uh, I, I hope there are some, some new business owners and some, some new startups who have listened to uh, some existing startups who have listened to some of these pointers and said, actually, you know what, I need, I need to do this. Um, get them in place before the next downturn. How often do we have to go through these things, Rod, every seven years? No, 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 no. Well, um, I do think that those things are changing. I mean, the, the way the world is becoming you know, much more connected, um, and I mean that in every sense, you know, supply chains and everything else, then um, I think it's really hard to predict um, anything out in the future. But but after five years, you should be nervous because you'll be a better business owner. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and there's, there's some great resources out there. I mean, but if, if you're a business owner, you, you need to build great networks as a business owner. You need to, right. you know, get external advice, know who your friends are, know who you can go and talk to, um, know what you're not good at, as we talked about before, all of those sorts of things. But there are brilliant resources out there and um, you just need to lift your head um, probably more often than people currently do and, and make sure that you get good advice and listen to podcasts and do all of those sorts of things because you'll always be improving yourself. Mm. Okay, right. Well, sir, well, thank you so much. We are in it. It's going to be uh, a fascinating uh, next six to nine months, isn't it? It, um, it is. It, it is. It is actually going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. And we all need to stay positive because it is going to be a grind. I mean, the rest of 2020 is going to be just plain hard work, I think. And um, um, so we all need to stay positive and help each other and, and get through it as an industry. Yeah, Okay. All right, well, look, if things are still tough in April, uh, beyond the deadline that you promised us, can I, can I give you a call and, and have a word in your ears? No, certainly will. <laughs> Rob, thank you thank so much you. for being involved. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Pete. Take care. All the best. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Recruitment Journeys podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. Now, while we're passionate about bringing inspirational recruitment stories to our network via this podcast series, Recruitment to Recruitment is our bread and butter and our day job. So if you are a recruiter thinking about your next career chapter or your recruitment journey, see what I did there? We're always keen to have a confidential discussion with recruiters about what's going on in the market. So please feel free to contact me in the strictest of confidence on 0432 666701 or email me at pete at Thank you so much for listening and please watch out for our next inspirational podcast interview coming very soon.